powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Say it with me, everybody. For the second time in a row, the Montreal Canadiens just got... Think you know what way it's going to go? Oh, I hit the wrong button. No, I screwed Oh, no! Up. No, what happened? I hit, the, I, hit the sports, I, hit, I hit the Sports Interaction ad instead. So oh. they get a free second. That's that's on the house, Sports Interaction. We won't charge you for that extra second. That's embarrassing. Arguably, maybe not quite as embarrassing as the Sens nearly collapsing there at the end, but uh, it's still, it's still pretty embarrassing. I'm going to take that in stride, though. I'm not going to let that affect the rest of the episode. <laughs> we're good. Oh, we're good. That was so chaotic and really stressful, but a lot of fun. Um, my day would be ruined had it ended any other way. But yeah, oh. yeah, I was getting honestly really angry during the third period. And I have to say that most games this season, uh, when we've lost, I haven't really been super angry for most of them, more just sad and disappointed. But I was like actually feeling pissed today uh, with the way they played in the third period. So thank God that they managed to uh, still get the two points. Part of it is the the effect of the fact that it's the Habs and we all hate them, uh, mm. but also just how the team played as well. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into all of that. Oh, yeah. I mentioned... Uh... After uh, the last uh, in the last episode, I mentioned how like how Sens fans are always like we love this rivalry, and how Habs fans are like we don't have a rivalry, we don't even like that's so like come on, the Sens Habs rivalry is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. You can clearly see it between the players too. Like if the, oh, yeah. the fans, some fans can try to act like oh we're we're above you, it's not a rivalry, but you see it on the ice. Absolutely, and uh, so yeah, just before we get into uh, dissecting that. Mostly good game. Uh, quick word from our friends at Sports Interaction. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet with Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. I don't know where to start. Where do you want to start? I'm going to, I'm going to leave this up to you because I don't know how we should approach this game. So I feel like I don't want to be super pessimistic because mm-hmm. they won. And I definitely do have optimistic thoughts that we'll get into later in the show. But... I really was frustrated by that third period. So I feel like I want to get that out of my system first. Go for it. Yeah, I saw you tweet. All right, last period before the All-Star break. Time to just, just give her. And yeah. Then the worst period they played in three, four, maybe five games. Do we, do we call that a bad tweet? Or or did I just jinx them or what? Because I I think it's a good tweet that no, it, it was, really makes sense. You had it was the, correct you had the that right they should have. Yeah, yeah, but it it uh it didn't age well at all. No, no, also, <laughs> considering so, the way yeah. that played out. Yeah, freaking Raphael Harvey Pinard. Had you heard of him before this weekend? No, I don't think most <laughs> I figured... fans had either. Yeah, at least before his call out. Uh, yeah, yeah, what a what a guy, but. Yeah, when he tied it at 4-4, I believe the shots were 9-2 for the Habs at that point in the third period. Just like... And and the second shot was Stutzla's goal. So other than the goal, we had only had one other shot in that entire period. Like, that was just textbook. 
that was just textbook sitting back way too much and just allowing your opponent back into the game. Like if um if it wasn't for the Mike Hoffman goal with uh, five seconds left in the second period, I could have kind of understood the strategy if you have a two goal lead going into the third period against a weaker team of not like pressing for offense a bunch, yeah. but with only a one goal lead, they tried to play it way too safe. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I really wish I could know in situations like this, like what the coach said in between periods, if he specifically told the team to try to just hunker down and only play defense, or if it just kind of happened that way that the players just ended up getting a little bit lackadaisical. Uh, Cause we can never really know. And it's not great either way, but, Thank God we have some skill on this team that we can still just win despite doing that. Real, you know, real brave move from DJ if, in fact, what he said was, all right, guys, hunker down and play defense, knowing the defense on this fucking team. Like, yeah, all right, boys, time to get caved in. Here we go. Like, as a choice, it's an it's a really odd choice. Um, I, I mean, you're up against a team like the Habs. I think you just kind of go, all right we're scoring goals just keep going for it because like i mean i guess i guess this game was a bit more back and forth even through the first two periods as as decent as they were um compared to the third more so than that five nothing uh game on um on saturday but mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like and may, maybe this is just me convincing myself that i would have thought this going into the third and it's not just like this hindsight thing but like i feel like you just keep your foot on the gas Yep. Like against a team that you know you can score a bunch on. Like I mean, granted they, they are missing Caulfield, so that probably had a big I, I think honestly, if Caulfield's in this game, I think the Sens lose. I think that's just how it goes. Like there's <laughs> no way no way he doesn't score this game. But um yeah, I don't know. I, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. Was was their game plan going into the third just try and shut it down defensively and not working at all? Or, or what yeah this uh this might be a bit of a galaxy brain theory but i almost wonder if they're thinking like okay we're obviously not great at defense and montreal isn't great at scoring so the coaching strategy going into the third period could have potentially been something like let's just practice our defensive systems and just make sure we do everything right and then it results in like a complete lack of offense like who knows? There's no way we could know if that was the mindset, but I kind of feel like that's a possibility against a weaker team because, for example, if you have a one-goal lead against like a really high-powered offense, you're not going to want to sit back even right. more because you'll just be like, they're going to get chances anyway, so we need to outscore them, right? But against a weaker team, they might be thinking like, oh, we can shut them down for sure, which with the Sens, it never really goes that way, does it? Didn't work. Um, yeah, giving up two power play goals against the worst power play in the league. I believe I, I yeah, I, I was going to point that out that they, I think I saw on the broadcast TSN saying that the Habs have an 11 and a half percent power play at home this season. Oh God. Oh yeah. It's like, I think, I think that's what I said. If, if, if not, then maybe I'm a little bit off. I think I'm pretty sure I remember that being the stat, which is horrifying so to uh to let a team like that go uh go 40 percent on you on their power mm-hmm. play it's a bit that's a that's a tough look um sends power play unsurprisingly two for three so yeah good as always yeah just incredible i loved that to goal just oh, absolutely yeah. beautiful that's the type of goal that we've been expecting him 
uh, to be scoring all season, right? Like since mm-hmm. we acquired him, like that is exactly that type of one-timer on the power play. Just beautiful and amazing pass from Stutzla as well. Yeah, amazing passes all throughout that game, really. the uh, On Stutzla's first goal, that, that spin pass, I think it was Joseph. Yeah, Joseph, Like yes. just great, like offensively, the, the Sens looked great all night defensively it was a bit more yeah a bit more hit or miss um yeah i don't know so what i think is kind of funny is the fact that it was such a tight game and what's 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 what was jake allen's fine so jake allen finished with an 828 save percent for the habs and oh yeah. which is rough but like he kind of had a couple insane saves like the Sens probably shouldn't have needed a, that that last goal to win it like the Sens probably should have scored six or seven yeah, it's funny that uh, he allowed two of the first three shots. And then let me see what the total shots we got at the end. We ended up with six shots in the third period, but it was it, it was like two out of like four or something in the third period, right. like in terms of how they were sequenced. So, but in the middle of the game there, he was completely like unstoppable. He had before Dabrinkit scored, he had that amazing save on him. I think it was with the glove. And then mm-hmm. he also had that stick save on Parker Kelly. I think those were... On the uh, on the same play, there was no stoppage in between, so then they didn't even have a chance to show the replay of the the first Debrinket one, and there was a Forsberg save as well. So yeah, like like you said, Allen with that ugly save percentage, but it was totally not his fault at all tonight. He still had some amazing saves. Yeah, Forsberg had a couple of good ones as well. Uh, he also finishes with a not very pretty uh, eight seventy five, but. Honestly, I Team think doing we, him no favors though. Oh yeah, absolutely. And 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 you throw this one in with the last two games, like he's looked so good the last few yeah. games. So that's nice. I was I was thinking about after they scored the fourth goal, if you average out his uh, goals against uh from the last three games, it's still a two GAA, I think, right? Because it's six goals against in three games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so st- still looking good even though it's a bad save percentage in this game, if you average out his last three, it was actually very good. And then he yeah he allowed one goal in that Islanders game when he played half the game but he was still solid in that one too so it's like right. seven goals seven goals against in three and a half games that's very good if he could keep up a pace like that just have only the occasional game like this uh, where where you allow a few uh, if you have those shutouts as well like he did in the previous game uh, I'm very happy with Forsberg lately yeah absolutely no complaints from me either. Um... And uh, so that's so that, this game also clinches uh, the series against the Habs this season. That's that's three out of four that's games right. completed with three wins for the Sens. So that's always fun. Um, and now the Sens go into the All Star break. Uh, technically, according to hockey rules, above five hundred. So mm-hmm. that's that's fun. Once again, above five hundred. We'll I- see how long it takes uh, for us to end up three games below again. Because I feel like this is the f- yeah. third or fourth time this season where we've been like, "Hey, we got to five hundred, and then it never lasts. Yeah. It has not have, lasted at all yet. Have we had this conversation? Like, do you think that twenty four, twenty three, and three is above five hundred? Like, or do you kind of just go along with like? It, it, it's for me. It's like I don't think that's above five hundred, but also. I just want to be able to say that my favorite hockey team is above 500, so I'm just embracing the the hockey like version of it, I guess. Yeah, I agree that technically it's not because it is literally more losses than wins. But uh, I'll go by the NHL logic, and they say <laughs> 500. And hell, the points percentage is literally above 500. It's 510 that's, that's right a now. Good point. So yeah. 
if you, so going off of points percentage it's not yeah you have to play the semantics game it's, yeah. if you go off of wins and losses percentage directly it's not above 500 but points percentage we'll take that i like i like that i like that take i like that that point of view on it yeah um so yeah i, I want to highlight tim stutzla just overall a four point game yeah. um and weirdly enough i don't know if it's his best game like i don't think he has any other four point nights but i don't know if it's his best like that's how good he's been this season Mm-hmm. He's had some banger games lately. I feel like there was another four point nine. Yeah, he had that in that goofy game against Seattle. He had the hat trick and an assist. Oh, that's right. I repressed that. I, yeah, that, just, that one's hard stuck, to hard to I remember. That away. Everyone wants to forget that game. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that that makes sense. So, what a so waste probably, of a game from him. Like, what a complete just. It's like um, that makes me think of like not the same exactly, but I think it was a. I think there was a playoff game. I think it was in 2012 against the Rangers where Chris Neal scores two goals and the Sens still lose. I think it's like one of those like just wasting like an incredible opportunity. I don't know why I brought that up. I completely derailed that. That just suddenly came to mind. Um, But yeah. I think I said uh, after that Seattle game, I was very happy that uh, Stutzler already had a hat trick in his career because it would have been lame as hell if it was his first hat trick and he lose eight to four. So, like, at least he already got the first hat trick out of the way. So, he he can have that happen and it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Timmy looking so good as usual. Um, Putting in over another over a minute on PK again. Like, he's Mm -hmm. just turning into like a two-way monster which i think i think we've talked about this several times before as well but like i don't think any of us like figured he was going to be a two we we were like oh so he's patrick kane and it's gonna be like all offense and zero defense but holy crap i remember uh seeing him in the world juniors uh for germany Mm. um right after we drafted him because it was a weird COVID year, right? Where the draft was virtual and then they played the World Juniors like in August or September or something before the NHL season started. Uh, I think it was in a bubble, right? In the in the Edmonton bubble. So um, that I- draft was what? Like, uh, I think that was a really late draft, wasn't it? Was that somewhere between Wait, August yeah. and October? Wait, yeah, it might have been in October. The, I think the World Juniors happened the usual time, but just before the NHL season started, because that was That's, a January yeah, it was start. The NHL season that was delayed. So like, yeah, yeah, they started January. That's what it was. Uh, but yeah, the Edmonton bubble was still up. So the point is, I remember watching him in the Edmonton bubble for Team Germany and absolutely just carrying that team uh, on his back. Oh, yeah. And what I remember, what I remember was being surprised by like his physicality. And a bit of the two-way game as well, because uh, you expect him to just be, like you said, an all-skill guy, but mm-hmm. he was actually really intense uh, in that World Juniors and just all over the ice. So I think now that he's getting more used to the NHL and uh, maybe get, getting more used to like the size and stuff, you know, you're mm-hmm. not always uh, the biggest guy out there anymore, but he's growing into it more in this league. I think uh, we're really seeing him just have a huge impact in ways other than offense. Yeah, um, that, was a, that was a really fun World Juniors. It, I think it's it's was that the year? So it was a twenty twenty. I think it was the year that the Sens had like eight or nine players at the World Juniors. Like that felt like the the Sens the Sens World Juniors year. Absolutely, Sanderson must have been there too. Yeah, I think so. Maybe Gre- maybe Greg was there. I don't think I'm sure. Two, I'm sure there was a bunch of guys. Year. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. 
with with all the Timmy love. Um, Mike Hoffman had to score because he had to. Of course, um, at least at least Dadenoff didn't score as well. We'll, we'll oh, could you imagine if it was? Yeah, if, if both of them scored, then I would be angry. Oh, and it could have been. Imagine a trifecta with a Chris Weidman goal as well. Just oh, that, that's the the nightmare, nightmare blunt rotation right there. That's, <laughs> that's in, the in, yeah. in goal scoring form. Oh. Like so, that's the thing. Like as as upset as we were with the third period, we're finding ways to like we're finding hypotheticals for us to be even more upset. Following yeah, this game. it could have been worse, you know. What's the fact? The fact that we still won, I'll take it. Yeah. What's worse, um, a loss like they would have lost today, or a win where Weidman, Hoffman, and Dadnov all score? That's a tough. That's that's tu- that's tougher to answer than I'd like to admit, honestly. <laughs> if it's um. <laughs> If it's a loss, like with the game playing out the same way, but just not getting that last goal from Brady and then eventually losing, I would say the loss would probably piss me off more. Just because I was Sorry. I was really mad during that third period. So, <laughs> uh, like if we win, I'd be like, oh, whatever, screw those former sends. But losing yeah. this game would have really pissed me off. So, I'll go with that. I think I'm with you. I think you convinced me. I was kind of leaning towards. I'll take I'll take a loss if if no one I'm mad at scores, but that's yeah. Oof. I do have to say though, it's a bit of a double edged sword going into the All Star break on a four game winning streak because now I'm looking at the standings again, which is <laughs> ha- halfway a good thing, but also right. just also just a bad thing for completely getting my hopes up because we know how it goes. Yeah, now Pierre is gonna trade a second for a third pairing defenseman, and yeah, it's. Yeah, and then that second is going to be like 40th overall, and it's going to become an everyday NHL player. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, and then, like, and then the rental defenseman walks in free agency. Yeah, can like, I don't care how close the Sens are to the playoffs, but I mean, the trade deadline is is just over a month from now. But like, don't this team can't buy like the team like. Come on, yeah. like we like we can't sit around and be happy with with this team buying because it's like oh cool they got f- to play four games in the playoffs, like just just prep for next year. Next year, if if they if 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 this team can address defense next year, um, like I get, well, I guess goaltending too. I think consistency with goaltending is the issue, but defense is one hundred percent like the biggest the biggest problem. I think. Um, Speaking of which, we all thought we got to see Nikita Zaitsev's goal. Uh, oh, I, I wish it was his goal. To be honest, what yeah, about you? Would too. you rather? Would you rather? Do you prefer Giroud's twentieth of the season, or do you prefer Zaitsev's first of the season? Giroud deserves funny. it, but Zaitsev scoring on the Habs is very funny. It would have been funny if it was the Leafs, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he did score on the Leafs either last year or the year before. Uh, Zaitsev. Sounds right. That sounds which right. is uh which is rare because usually if he does score, which is already super rare, or I think like half his goals with the Sens are empty netters too. So the yeah. fact that he beat a goalie with his shot, even though it was deflected, like props to him. Uh we For don't sure. see that very often. All right. Um, and we do have a little tiny thing planned here heading into the all-star break. Is there anything else from the game you want to uh you want to talk about before we get into our kind of 
past well, the halfway, I'm, I'm but good. kind of okay. All right, should be good. Nice. So uh, Maude had this idea where we go over a few things, like our, as as far as like going into the break, because we are about eight games past, nine games past the, the halfway point of the season, heading into the All-Star break. What are our uh, most, uh, what we think is the most surprising, most disappointing, and then just something that's kind of gone exactly as expected heading into the season. So... I don't know which one you want to start with. Do you have a do you have a preference? Like, do you have one that you definitely want to get out of the way first? Um, I think let's go positive first with the surprises, then disappointments, and then kind of level out with like the mid things. That's you know? exactly how I wrote them in my notes. Perfect. Perfect. All right, perfect. So it was your idea. So I'll go first with most surprising at, at risk of of stealing yours. But uh, the fact that Jake Sanderson is playing like a top four level defenseman and could be playing as at that level, like that's like a top four level defenseman on any team, frankly, at mm-hmm. 20 years old, like put him on a contender. You'd still want him as a top four defenseman. Um, and I feel like I'm just going to be repeating everything that we've ever said about him. Every single game, the Sens get blown out. You still go, well, Jake Sanderson looked good. So yep. just the fact that he's a 24, he's a 20 year old top four defenseman um, is ridiculous. Yeah. I, uh, I actually thought about uh, talking about Sanderson for the, things that went as expected category wow. just because just because I had really bought into the hype as him for like as a prospect for him. Mm. Uh however I think the reason why I agree that it's a surprise is because we didn't get that good of a defense partner for him to play with. The fact that he is totally yeah. carrying his defense uh pairing with uh, Travis Hamonick all season and sometimes making Hamonick look good uh that's more impressive to me and more surprising that like as a rookie, he doesn't need someone to carry him along or ease him in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure coaches and teammates and stuff will give Hamannick some credit for that, like helping him adjust to the pro level. But Sanderson looks like he will just be amazing regardless of who his partner is and regardless of whether or not Hamannick is playing well. So I, I do agree with you. I think that uh, element of it makes it a surprise at how consistent he's been as a rookie too. That's the, the big thing for rookies especially defensemen is consistency not very many mistakes in his game at all this season yeah and i just like i mean i guess they're kind of also doing it with ridley greg on on game four where he's playing a little bit of power play and, and pk here and there but like sanderson's getting a ton of extra teams time right from the start and just not at all looking out of place so i think he's the biggest surprise as far as like i also was buying into the hype but like I went into like, okay, if if he can play like an NHL caliber player at 20 years old, I'm thrilled. And he's playing like mm-hmm. a like a star level. Like he's phenomenal. He uh honestly, I kind of just randomly thought of this, but in terms of playstyle, I feel like he reminds me a lot of Jacob Slavin. Yeah. I yeah. Which is that's good company. Yeah, frankly. that's a good comparison. That's, you know, that's I mean, it's not it's not like you know a, a name that casual hockey fans will pull out. So any like casual fans hear Jacob Slavin, they're like, whatever. That's not Drew Doughty, but like, just got yeah, because like that's the thing. Like, just good defensive defensemen are so underrated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if 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 honestly, if Jake Sanderson just ends up being Jacob Slavin 2.0, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy yeah. with that. Exactly. Just 
left-handed shot D with great skating, decent size. Mm-hmm. I think Slavin's a little bit bigger than Sanderson, but regardless. And defense first, but then being able to chip in a solid amount of, of offense too, because Slavin's never been a big point producer, right. but still like gets the points here and there to the point where he's a little bit more than a defensive defense, defenseman purely and more of a two AD. And we're already seeing that from Sanderson as well. I think I don't think he got any points today, but I think he's already at 20 points on the season, Yeah, which uh, if he finishes like between 30 and 40 points, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. What is your most, um, your most surprising? I'm going to go with the fact that Brady Kachuk is point per game this far into the season. Like, uh, Props to him for the the awesome game winning goal tonight. I had to flip the jersey around to uh, <laughs> to shout him out. Um, the thing is with Kachuk, like last season, he hit the thirty goal mark. I think like right at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and he was a little below seventy points. And just kind of the projections for Kachuk was, I feel like everyone just expecting kind of a sixty ish point guy consistently, yeah. and then maybe maybe he could become a point per game player if he's like getting carried by his line mates or something which is absolutely not happening this year like him and Stutzel have kind of been locked at the hip for the whole year but I wouldn't say that either one is like carrying the other like they're both just uniquely really good in their own ways and bring totally different things uh to the game that complement each other's play styles um but the fact that Brady Kachuk is putting up so many points already this early in his career just has me super excited for his future because it just feels like the sky's the limit at this point like he's always kind of been in the shadow of his brother in terms of point production like everyone talking about how Matthew is the more skilled of the two but he's really closing that skill gap this year I think and uh, I'm just really happy about that I can't I can't talk about this too much because it's spoilers for something I have written down for later Ooh. on. So I can't I, I I completely agree that it is wild that he is a point per game this far in. Um leading the team too because the other thing I wanted to say was at the beginning of the season if I was doing point projections, I don't think I would have had him as the top scorer on the team. I think I would have uh assumed that like Stutzla, Dubrinkit and maybe Batherson would be kind of the the higher point scorers, but right. no, he's just been leading the team. He's been number one on the points list for this team all season. And that's not because other people are underperforming. It's because he is performing even better than I expected. I like that pick. I really like that pick. Um, moving on to most disappointing. Uh, I, th- I think it's got to be Josh Norris and how the team dealt with the injury. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's what you also have, but... Um, it's not, but it's not, yeah. but you are correct. Just You're correct in this like, pick. The team, so say everything goes according to plan from this point out, and the team squeaks into the playoffs. Had Norris gone straight to surgery, he's probably back in time for playoffs. Yeah, that that is possible. Yeah. Um, but also, just like listen, whether or not it was like if if you talk to six doctors, and they all said no, 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 like go like rehab it. Then hell yeah, but don't. Don't put him in the lineup and say he can't take faceoffs, but he's ready to go. Like that was just silly. What the fuck? Like that's just so <laughs> dumb, so dumb. And the fact that it wasn't like an immediate red flag to everyone involved mm-hmm. is is wild to me. So I think that's just a joke that you. And like, granted, now he's the number two center, but going into the season, that's your top center. So you're missing your top center for all season long, and you just completely screw up his return by by rushing him when you really didn't have to 
I feel like at the point that he shows up to practice and he either says, I can't take face-offs or the coaches or doctors recommend that he shouldn't take face-offs, then the coach and the GM have to say, okay, you're not playing then because yeah. the shoulder isn't isn't ready. But they didn't think that way. Yeah, and the upsetting thing is that there's a long list of things to choose for most disappointing, but I think... Um, I think just just the fact that you're going into your season, your number one center is out so quickly sucks. But like, what sucks even more is just the way um, his injury was uh, was dealt with. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's about as much as we can talk about that. What's your uh, What's your most disappointing? Uh, I'm going with our five v five goal scoring. Ooh, the fact yeah. that it sits, the fact that it sits in the bottom five in the league. It probably climbed up a little bit uh, through the last few games, but I had checked before that Islanders game, and it was second last and only one ahead of Chicago. Since we did score, yeah, ahead, only one ahead of Chicago. That means that like freaking Arizona and Columbus have more had more five on five goals. Like again, we and freaking Anaheim. Like come on, the we probably passed a couple teams with uh, what is it like? Is it? 16 goals yeah 16 goals in the last three games so however however many of those were five on five uh it's been an improvement lately but going into this season i totally expected us to be i you know what i expected more games to be like today's game where it's just like a 5-4 shootout whether we win or lose just scoring and getting by on our skill which i think the coaching staff obviously wanted to avoid that but the problem is that it doesn't feel like they're playing to their strengths in terms of Mm -hmm. their 5v5 systems where they're just trying to play grinding style, defensive dump and chase when we suck at defense. We have okay grinders in the bottom six, but they suck at offense. Uh, And then our top six guys are not really dump and chase style, except for maybe Kachuk can do decent at that style. Um, So on one hand, like you could say that it, it... might necessarily not be a bad thing that we aren't just having like six to five wins every time and just playing crazy games. But uh, we really shouldn't be scoring more at, at five on five. We shouldn't be having to rely on the power play so much. I wasn't expecting on one hand, you know what, if we want to talk about surprises, I'm kind of surprised that the power play has been as good as it has, but then it's a trade off with the disappointment at five V five. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I mean, I think everyone went into the season expecting this the power play to be lethal, at least top ten. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think the power play is better than everyone expected, and then the five v five is like an absurd level of of disappointing. Um, I don't know how this team doesn't score five v five. Is it just is it a matter of possession? Like, is it just that like is it, is it, does it does it go back to like possession numbers? Is it just like Maybe is is it is it a lack of high danger chances? I don't know if that's the case because the Sens have like such an abs- like an insane number of expected goals for like mm-hmm. it's uh I don't know I don't know something's not yeah, right and and I can't it, figure it it's out. It's weird. It's weird because I want to say that it has to do with the systems at five v five, but at the same time we do have pretty good advanced stats metrics and we've had so many games where it's like according to the numbers the Sens should have won and then they didn't freaking score at all. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's my biggest disappointment. That's a that's a good pick. That's a good pick. All right, now with uh, with time winding down, let's head into the uh, just as expected. So this is kind of fun with given your um, your most surprising. So what I 
an honorable mention, I think, for as expected, is the record that the Sens have, which I think everyone is weirdly bummed about. Well, not weirdly bummed about. I'm in that group too, but everyone's saying like, oh, the Sens can play 500 this season. I'm, I'm going to be happy and enjoying it. And the Sens are playing 500 and like it, the, the friggin' place has been on fire like six different times a season. So. Yeah. It's because it's such a roller coaster up and down, like going a little bit above 500 and then way back down. Yeah. Instead of just being like consistently win one, lose one. Yeah. But my actual answer is um, Brady Kachuk is having the Brady Kachuk's having a Brady Kachuk season, but like he's it's having even, the breakout season, it's like it's like a, the most Brady Kachuk season. And like you said, like last year he was like right around three, he was like thirty goals, like right around seventy points. And I know like a lot of people were like, oh, so he hit his like ceiling now. And I never once thought that. I thought like bank on him having 75, 80 points this year. Um, but yeah, so he's now above a point per game at fifty one and fifty. But the so the thing with Brady is that also he's sixth in shots. So, well, this doesn't include tonight's game. This is leading coming into tonight's game, so yeah. I don't know if this is yeah. all exact. It's going to stay pretty close. But he's 6th in shots in the league and 20th in hits. And now 20th doesn't sound as nice as 6th in shots. Like, you're 20th in hits or whatever. But that still makes him basically a, a unicorn. So I was looking around. Yeah. And then, so you have... Um, so there's only two players... And so if, if you sort the league by hits, if, if you go most hits to least, there are only two players in the top 59 for hits that have over 200 shots. And that's Kachuk yeah. and Ovechkin. I was going to say anyone else who's ahead of him in the hits ranking is like all grinders or like defensive defensemen, exactly. right? So it's it's rare that it's rare to have a top point score with those hits. Exactly. And if you even expand it even more. So Timo Meyer is that 60th player who's he's 60th in hits but also has over 200 shots, so there's three in the top 60. But then following Meyer, you have to go all the way down to 226th in hits to find someone who has 200 shots. Wow. That's way more than I thought it would be. Yeah, so only four out of the 226 players with the most hits have 200 shots. So, and that, weirdly enough, that player with 200 shots who's 226th in hits is Austin Matthews, which, not Hmm. the fourth player in that, like, list i'd pick um <laughs> yeah but yeah all that to say like yeah brady kachuk is like like we everyone knows what a brady kachuk season is it's 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 potting in a few uh a, a few goals and shooting and hitting a ton and he's just doing more of everything every mm-hmm. single year so that's that's my my thing is that brady kachuk is having the most brady kachuk season he could possibly have yeah, that makes perfect sense. He's just automatic for the shots and the hits, like regardless yeah. of his production. So that makes perfect sense for your pick there. Yeah. Um, and then for mine, I honestly don't have too much to say about it, but I'm going to just gloat about Tim Stutza a little bit more because <laughs> we love this kid and he is just completely amazing. Uh, just awesome stuff we were talking earlier about earlier about his two-way game and he's just developed into like an all-around beast first line center he should be in the all-star game but we got screwed by the twitter fan vote um and just the fact that i think he's our highest draft pick since like chris phillips right pretty sure phillips was first in 96 yeah that sounds right i don't i don't think we ever picked a top three since then no uh so the fact that he is like elite this early in his career uh, just makes me so excited, and he's like, I, I file this under the like going as expected because it, it is exactly what you want from mm-hmm. a top three pick. 
and he's he's the best player in his draft. So I'm just totally happy with him. Like we knew the sky was the limit for him. And I am like not shocked at all by how amazing he's doing because he was just like, like I mentioned the world juniors that he played mm-hmm. earlier. And I was just utterly wowed by him just carrying that like weak Germany team along with Paterka back then. And so you could see it in Tim Stutzler from a young age. Yeah, that eight by eight contract kicking in next year is going oh, to be the already big, a steal. It's it's a top ten contract in the league. It's going to be yep. like, oh, incredible! Imagine yeah, him if at we twenty five. If oh. we hadn't signed him until like the end of the season, if he was going to be an RFA, he'd probably be demanding ten mil. I think ten mil or like eight mil a year for like a bridge, right? Like yeah, on less years, yeah, yeah, like a two year eight mil per kind of thing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, that was a fun little exercise. I enjoyed that. That was a yeah. good, that was a good time. All right. Well, as always, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Game Over Ottawa. Um, make sure to like and subscribe, and uh, you know, enjoy the All Star break. Uh, enjoy some time off from hockey because even us diehard fans need some time away every so often. So uh, we will uh, see you folks next time when the Sens are back playing more Canadian teams. See ya. Have a good night, everyone. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.